welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast that will never tank a season. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I'm Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother in Marina Del Rey. That would be me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother in San Diego. That's me, Trey Newman. All right. Well, if you saw the title of the episode, we are not previewing the ACC as promised. And the reason for that is just the last couple of weeks, there's there's so much uncertainty with whether they will there will be a season in the fall or what it will look like. So we're going to give it uh, at least a few weeks and just see if if there's more clarity before we, we start doing previews. Yeah, we want to make sure when we do the preview episodes, it's it's right before the season starts for sure. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so plan it by year. But uh, this episode, we're, we're going to go through some of the X factors for that season. And uh, before we get to that, though, Trey, we've got some five-star reviews. Yeah, we got uh, one from Hayden Halling. It says, it's titled Best College Football Podcast. Coming from Spotify, this podcast overall is amazing. Gives an incredible podcast that is informative and funny. No other college football podcasts compare. Go Utes. It's yeah, so baby. true. Every other podcast sucks, but ours. Yeah, they might there are, I didn't even know there were other podcasts. <laughs> there might not be, but if Fair. they do, they suck. All right. Uh, we had one other one here. Uh, it's from, uh, I don't know, Gunner, maybe Goner. I don't know. It's kind of a funky one. Uh, anyways, he says, uh, one of the best. Um, insightful and entertaining college football fans provide a great show on a regular schedule. We do keep our schedule. We haven't missed a week in quite a long time. I don't know. It's been a couple of years or something. It's been a long time. Did we time. miss a week once? On uh, maybe an off season, we did it like we we used to not in the off season do every week, but now we do. Yeah, yeah, we're dedicated. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's get into the the X factors then. So we have ten X factors for this season. Not not a top ten necessarily. Not in any particular order, but just a, a list of ten here. So. Trey, what's uh, what's our first X factor? First X factor is LSU's offense. I'm just I'm really anxious to see how this offense unfolds this year. I mean, most likely at quarterback, you're going to have Junior Miles Brennan uh, take over for Joe Burrow. I mean, we all know there is almost literally no possible way that he'll match Burrow's production. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, but honestly, I'm a little skeptical on the offense in general. Uh, Steve Ensminger, he's still there calling plays, but Joe Brady's system was clearly the difference that kind of elevated LSU's offense to to get them over the top. So can he maintain Brady's system now that Brady left for the Carolina Panthers? You know, Bur- Burrow, the other reason he was successful too is because last year it was his second year. Uh, that's not going to be the case here with Brennan. This will be his first year of, um, you know, being the starter. Being the and you know, they, they lost seven guys on offense to the NFL. A lot of replacements on the offensive line, which won't help. I know they've recruited well, but, um, you know, I guess the positive is that they still have one of the best receivers in football. You got Jamar Chase. They've also got the former five-star Terrace Marshall. He's a junior now. Um, but overall, I'm just, I'm anticipating a pretty sharp decline from last year. It's yeah. I mean, this X factor could almost just be the Joe Brady factor. Uh, it's gonna, you know, that's 
he was seemed to be the the main reason as the as to why they took such a huge jump. Of course, it's not the only one. They had such good talent around it. But uh, man, sixty touchdown passes though last year. That, <laughs> that I mean, that that's just nuts. I mean, it is. You know, it's that was I don't know. That's nuts. But you got so many big guys to replace Clyde Edwards Hilaire. How are you going to replace him on the ground? I mean, he was he was awesome last year. Uh, but yeah, Justin Jefferson, he's kind of maybe the maybe the even underappreciated guy compared to Jamar Chase. Jefferson may have been the the best receiver they had. He was awesome. So uh, they do bring in a, a new great tight end, Eric Albert uh, or Eric, Albert Eric Gilbert. Gilbert yeah. um, so he, and he's going to be a stud. So he'll probably fill in right in for Thaddeus Moss and won't miss a beat. Maybe even be better. He might have a little more upside than Moss. So there's obviously going to get worse. It's just impossible not to. Um, but I, I don't think they're going to go to like. 2018 mode where they're no. you know that bad so i i think it's going to be maybe a little bit more of a happy medium um but anybody expecting miles brennan to be in the heisman combo needs to check themselves probably yeah well sp plus projects lsu to have the fifth best offense in 2020 yeah what do you guys think i see Trey yeah, a little too high man. i just don't i don't buy it there's too much maybe recency bias in that one yeah, I think it, this is probably a difficult situation for a, a one-size-fits-all projection system just because yes. it was such an outlier season by LSU last year. Even if you do forecast a huge regression, it still you know, yeah. grades out as one of the best offenses in college football. So they're 128th in, in returning production. That's There's only 130 as a team. Teams, or, so. Yeah, What's that? As, a, as a total team or just the offense? No, just the offense. Okay. So yeah, they obviously lose a lot. Um, and until they prove that they're like Oklahoma, if they lost all this talent, I wouldn't really worry too much. I'd just be like, well, Lincoln Riley's going to put out another. Yeah, they lost a ton offense. of offensive linemen before last year. And then they, their offensive line was still really good this past year. And you know, OU, and North, talking and, about, yeah, yeah. OU and then a great quarterback, a new QB. It's like, okay, but now they're still it doesn't good. matter. And yeah. I think Ohio state with Ryan day is becoming that as well, where it doesn't seem like it's going to matter who they have. They're going to, be a great offense LSU I need to see it before I before I believe it I think they'll be good this year but yeah I'm not sure great yep yeah it's yep I'm with you on that okay our number two x factor here is Oregon quarterback Tyler Shuck show and what's that show no, no. it's how it do we do this it should be, <laughs> it should be. <laughs> it's not that's not Shuck it's spelled show but I, uh, yeah Anyway, <laughs> pronounced Shuck, I believe. Uh, and he's a sophomore. And he's not guaranteed to be the starter. They do have the, the Boston College transfer, Anthony Brown. But Shuck is the, the the big favorite. So the reason he's an X-Factor is we know Oregon's defense is going to be great. There's there's no doubt about that. And on offense, there there are some promising pieces around him. So first of all, he's got Joe Moorhead as offensive coordinator coming in from from Mississippi State. He's a, he's a great coordinator. The offensive line... Doesn't have a ton of experience, but you got Penny Sewell at left tackle, one of the best players in college football, and just the way Cristobal has recruited and developed that position, I think they'll they'll be fine on the O line. And then skill talent wise, you got C.J. Verdell and Travis Dye, arguably the best running back duo in the Pac-12 at receiver. That's been a question mark in recent years, but I think it's it's getting better. They've got a couple. I think this is the year where they. Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt, Mike. They got no go go for it. No, I just I think this is the year where the receivers kind of catch up and they actually have proven guys where the, there's they have those trio of sophomores that are going to just mm-hmm. I think they had forced they're all four stars that they're going to take another leap. So I think they'll as a depth, they'll be a good, good group. 
I agree. You got the the sophomores you're talking about, I think are are Devin Williams coming from from USC. He was actually a five star. You got yeah. Micah Pittman, uh, who was kind of hurt last year, but when he played, played really well. And then I think Brian Addison is another one. There's there's tons of guys. I think they'll they'll be good there. So it all comes down to quarterback. And I, you know, if if it works, if Tyler Shuck is legit, then they're a playoff contender. If he is not and underwhelms, then they're not you know so kind of that simple and they might even be in a in a fight to just win the north um i'm gonna skew optimistic on this as far as how i think it will work out i he's tyler shuck was a highly recruited guy he's been there a few years um i don't think justin herbert production wise set the bar crazy high to where he can't meet it or possibly even exceed it so uh yeah i'm i'm high on on shuck yeah i mean Talking to some Oregon fans and reading some online, uh, you know, articles from you know with an Oregon bias, that a lot of them talk about how the offense there could have been even better with Herbert last season in particular. Like people felt that Herbert might have been held back by the offensive coordinator Arroyo. Michael, I don't think you brought up your boy Joe Moorhead. Now I did, but oh, thanks for well, listening. See, yeah, I do now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. But I think his addition, though is going to elevate this offense even more, like take them to a, to another level because of what you talked about though, as far as the, the depth and talent surrounding them, there's an actual team. They're not going to solely rely on the quarterback. I think yeah. it's, it's not all going to fall on Shuck's shoulders. And one thing you didn't bring up is, is who he's replacing Marcus Arroyo at offensive coordinator. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great point. That's yeah. a great point. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, but, I mean, he's got the size, 6'5". He was the number seven overall uh, or the pro-style recruit a couple of years ago. So he's he's well uh, well regarded. There's no reason that he, he can't uh, at least match what Herbert's production was uh, last year, in my opinion, based on the, the talent around him. So I'm, I'm encouraged, and I, I like Shuck this year. He doesn't quite have the physical capabilities of... of- Herbert, at least arm talent wise, he's not, it's kind of been well known that he's a little more of the, the I don't know, he doesn't quite have that ability, but I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on the fact that I think he's going to be pretty good. Um, and he's got a lot of supporting cast around him. He doesn't need to be great because, you know, with, with the set of situation they got there. So Michael, you, you, you know, I, I, he doesn't have to be, uh, like even match necessarily Herbert's to be a playoff contender. I True. mean, they're, they're, their defense alone is going to make them a, a playoff contender uh, just because of the Pac-12. I mean, they can win the Pac-12. They can win every game without Shaq being great. So it would help. I mean, it helped them be a national title contender. Um, mm-hmm. But playoff contender, they're, they're that already. There's no doubt. So, But it, we'll see if they Shaq can be good enough to make them a play, uh, national title contender. Mm-hmm. And the floor, like we say, is, uh, is Anthony Brown from Boston College, who is not bad. Right. Yeah. No, he's not. But it's Shuck the Duck. Mm-hmm. Brown might get a few packages in just anyways. Just I agree because they running. He, he, exactly. If they want to add in some some mobility, some RPO, a little action, so maybe he might get a little time in there. But uh, all right, let's move on to uh, my first X factor here. OU's defense. Yes, OU's defense. Um, if you look at it last year. You know, it was actually, it was no doubt better than it had been. Um, you know, you kind of, obviously the, the LSU game leaves a sour taste in your mouth because which is like, 
a JV team playing out there, but that was LSU <laughs> yeah. offense wasn't fair. Uh, so that, you, that kinda, game that game was an aberration. Yeah, for, you for can, OU too. I don't put too much stock into that, other than how amazing LSU's offense was. That's the way I right. really look at it. So you know, Alex credit Alex Grinch, uh, the new the defensive coordinator that came from Ohio State the year before. I give him a lot of credit for that defense turning around um, last year. Um, you know, it, it, it was good at, at better, but it's not, obviously not a national title type of contending defense. Um, but I'll say though, the, the days of having to have a elite defense to win a national title, it seems kind of like it's over, you know, I mean, LSU last year, they were 32nd in the nation in scoring defense and they won it. And if you go back to uh, 2010 with Auburn, uh, they won it when they were 53rd in the scoring defense in the country. Their defense really wasn't very good at all. So, you know, yet Cam Newton and amazing offense of LSU. Yeah. But that's LSU's, point. De- that's LSU's defense got better as the season yeah, went it's on. Yeah, it did get better. Scoring defense, you know, a lot of garbage touchdowns. But still, it, the point is, point being, it wasn't elite for most of the year. That's yeah, sure. and it's it just feels like, you know, if the the offenses are kind of more dictating that, like the way it was. Yes. Um, it's ever since 2000, pretty much since cams types of year, the, the, these past 10, 15 years, it's just the offense has gotten more and more important, but I don't know. So, oh, you last year, they were 64th in that category scoring defense. So they weren't like that far off, but if you can get them to make, you know, a little bit of a jump from that year and this, they have nine returning starters coming back on that defense. So I think they are going to make a jump and they were actually the number one rushing defense in the big 12. So if that secondary just could get short up a little bit. You know, I, I think they could actually be a legit national title contender this year. I agree. If to to put numbers or some advanced stats to OU's jump defensively last year. So in twenty eighteen, according to Massey Peabody, OU had the seventy third defense in the country, seventy third best. Last year they were twenty third. So when you yeah, adjust for their competition and, and the pace they play, it was a pretty decent defense. Um, now, granted, I think that number is before the LSU game because Massey Peabody <laughs> they're did like a hundred now. <laughs> yeah, they're a hundred, but <laughs> still, still, they were they were pretty decent for for most of the year. Um, and agreed, I think they're going to be better this year with all they have coming back year two of of the system. So, if the offense is as good as it has been, um, if it's a top two or three offense, then yeah, I, I agree. I think they're a legit national championship contender. Yep, I agree with you guys' points. Uh, and I, Michael, you just mentioned going into the second year of a system that that should help because they've got all that returning experience. So they've they're all familiar with it. They're also bringing back Caleb Kelly, uh, the linebacker from injury. He missed most of last year, which will help because they lose Kenneth Murray uh, at linebacker. Yeah, that's a big that loss. He got drafted. That was a big loss, but having a guy come back from injury that. Uh, that is capable will will certainly help and they also they they've it's not like they haven't recruited well so they need some of that young talent that they've recruited to kind of step up and they they got a big juco transfer on the d-line uh perry on winfrey um there's there's jalen redmond and jordan kelly on the the line that are sophomores that are or they're underclassmen that are young that can could elevate that d-line um because they need if they could generate a pass rush that would really help because one of the things that they did lack last year, even though they had improvement, they were 121st in takeaways. So if they could get a little bit yeah, of a yeah, pass yeah. rush and, and force some turnovers, that'll obviously kind of elevate them to get them, get them to where they, they need to be. Um, 
One thing they, I they did know started with job one, which was stopping the run, and they got a lot better at that. Yeah, you but can't, can you can't address that, it all at once. The one thing I didn't even realize that both their corners in the secondary are named Trey, so naturally yeah. they're just going to do really well. That's just going to be and a strength. I want to say Trey Norwood, like he was injured last year. I don't know if he was injured for the whole year, but I just I seem to recall him being. being he hurt, was. So he was. He got Trey yeah. Brown and Trey Norwood. So. The bat, the the trays on the the corners will do just fine. They, you know, they've they've always recruited well. It's just mm-hmm. they 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 didn't develop them very well on that side of the ball. Was the one right? Was but I mean, throw. the way I am encouraged by the way Grinch elevated the play last exactly. year, and then if they if they don't make a stride this year, then it's cause for big concern. But I think they will. Yeah, no, it's the Grinch man. It's the Grinch guy. He's yeah. You did a good They're, job. They at least look, they'll look more competent. All right. What's next? All right. Moving on. This one is pretty interesting. We're going to talk about Houston, the Cougars, their red shirt strategy. So, you know, if you don't remember, Houston had some high expectations last season with Dana Holgerson coming in, Derek King. Then they started one and three and they devised the red shirt plan. Uh, since the rules give players the ability um, that haven't used the red shirt to, uh, to do so. So they, they ended up saving some of their best players and pushing them into the 2020 season. The only problem was is that Derek King was one of them, their quarterback. He ended up deciding to transfer away, but they still have a great receiver in Keith Corbin running back Moba Carr, uh, amongst others that actually redshirted. So, and, and Clayton tune there, they're come the quarterback that's coming back. He's not, he's not a slouch, like, and especially with year two under Holgerson, I'm not saying he's Derek King at all, but yeah, he, uh, you know, year two Dana Holgerson with some of those weapons, I, it'll be interesting. I'm really curious to see how it pans out. And, you know, it's like if the Houston offense lights it up with those guys that redshirted, it could set a precedent for teams in the future to maybe do the same. So I, I kind of more wanted to talk about the str- this strategy and if you guys thought it might continue in college football. So kind of hear what you guys have to say. Yeah, I mean, we we haven't seen a whole team do the strategy uh, as aggressively as uh, as Holgerson did. There's been individual players, and actually a couple at Miami. So you look at Zach McLeod, their linebacker, last year redshirted his his senior year, I believe, and uh, just because he wasn't quite getting as much playing time as he had his career there, and uh, just wanted to, you know, come back for and have a great 2020. Um, and then this year, Navon Donaldson, one of their offensive linemen, coming off an injury, so that's part of the reason for it. But it it kind of feels like a just a similar situation to to Zach McLeod that he's doing. So it's interesting. Um, I think it's going to work out for Houston. Um, they're going to be a lot better this year. I think they're like they're top five in in returning production coming back just because of uh, you know they're not losing many seniors because they redshirted quite a few of them. But another reason they're going to be better is just because they had so many injuries last year and they had transfers. That's another part of yeah. what Holgerson did. He brought in a lot of Power 5 transfers that had to sit out last year. So um, that's going to help make the the redshirting seniors look even better. The fact that there's other factors at play that are going to allow Houston to have a good season. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I like the strategy. So I think it could it could happen if someone else is in a similar well, situation at a tough I- new job. I don't like the strategy if it's like a coach that's established himself already. You know what I mean? Like if, if it, this was Dana Holgerson's first year. So I feel like if that, if, if it's, if you're in your first year, maybe I can understand it. Just, 
I don't know, maybe you feel like it benefits the program in the long term. Um, but I, that's about the only time I could ever say like, okay, you can, I, you know, I'm cool with it. Cause it's, if you try to make it a habit or, I mean, nobody's going to do it like all the time, but like it just, you know, it's, it, you're, you're, you're pretty much wasting a season. You're wasting a lot of the kids, um, that are on your team. Like there was a lot of, you got a lot of blowback last year from the players. Yeah. Like, Hey, this is my senior year. I'm playing. Like you're giving up essentially is what you're doing. You're giving up on my year. And a lot of fans didn't like it. I don't think you can do get away with that in any other year. When, if it's not your first one first year, I, you know, Neil Brown kind of did a lot of that where he retroed a lot of guys. Maybe he wouldn't have, if he was, I don't know, maybe more established, whatever it is. But yeah, if it's not your first year, I don't like it. And I don't, I just, I, I mean, I'm cool on an individual basis for certain particular reasons. Like Michael mentioned a couple guys already, like that could happen and that would be all right. But team wise, we're like, oh, we're struggling a little bit. Let's just, you know, put a pause on it and reread, do it all. The, but, eh. but hear me out on this. What if like, I don't like, I agree. I don't think any of the top programs are ever going to do it because they have, they're able to pull in talent on a, on a yearly basis. But say you're like, say you're like Northwestern and you, you have some hope going into a season. And you do, you kind of start out similar. You're one and three or whatever. You're not going to have that ability next year to just turn the light back on. Like maybe you just, you just gear up for, for the next year that that'll be Northwestern's chance to have a really good season. Uh, That's, that's, I'm just trying to rationalize like who would potentially do it. I think you might get some G5 schools or like a mid to lower level power team. Yeah. I mean, I, as a fan of a team, I think I would generally in the right circumstance, be in favor of this. Like if, I don't know, let's just, I'll use my team USC. Let's say this year we came out and started out 0-4. And And so already we're not going to accomplish anything that we wanted to accomplish this season. If they wanted to redshirt a bunch of seniors and and give it a go next year, I think I'd be in favor of it because to me as a fan, this year is already kind of a a loss. I will say though that, uh, you know, I I should, I would look at these statistics here, but like how many of these there's so many kids that already redshirt, you know, like, yeah, you can't do it with everyone. How many redshirts are there really going to be also, especially, I mean, like a team like Northwestern that Trey mentioned, like how many of those kids are true seniors? Like, yeah, well, that's, a, that, that's, you a, know? that's a story for another day, but, but I and, mean, like Houston yeah. had Derek King and, and Corbin to were the, were the, were the big names and they had it yeah. available. Yeah. yeah. And they only redshirted, I think it was five or six, well, five or six senior starters, that's actually quite a bit. And they redshirted, I think, just about every like true freshman, every freshman. not all of them. So, yeah. yeah. Well, redshirting every freshman, that's always fine. But yeah, yeah. I don't mind that. But redshirting seniors, that, yeah, I don't know. That's tough. Okay. Uh, let's see. What's, uh, oh, up next, number five, we have Miami offensive coordinator Rhett Lashley as an X Factor. And he was uh, he was just hired uh, this offseason from from SMU. And this uh, the reason he's an X factor is is kind of similar to the, the situation at Oregon, because the Miami defense, just like Oregon's defense, should be good. I mean, I don't think it's gonna be as good as Oregon's defense, but the It'd point is they're, they're kind of set on that side of the ball. The question is the offense. And if the offense takes a step forward, then Miami's obviously a contender in the ACC coastal and maybe even a dark horse playoff uh, candidate. That that's, that would be on the high end of, yes. of a pretty easy schedule. That's true. Yeah. But if the offense struggles, like it has been, then Manny Diaz is at risk of getting fired. 
and we just discussed Derek King. He's the the quarterback coming in from from Houston. He's going to be their starter. So we've seen that he can be successful, hugely success, successful in the right system with the, the the right pieces around him. So that's why I, I had Lashley as the X factor and not Derek King because I'm more sure in Derek King's talent. It's just is Lashley going to be able to put the pieces around him and and get that continuity with the system in order to to have a big year. And I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. What about you guys? I'm a little less optimistic, I think, about Lashley. I, I'm not, it's not like I'm not high on King. Like you said, I think you made the right call putting Lashley as the, the, the X factor here because he's the key. But it's just, it's especially this first year, it's hard. It's tough to install a brand new offense, have it humming right out of the gate um, with the transfer quarterback. But, you know, when you go back to his days at Auburn when he was the offensive coordinator, you know, you kind of remember Gus Malzahn had to take over the play calling duties just because things were kind of not going so hot. They were getting a little stale and uh, fans were kind of getting a little restless. So Gus just kind of had to go back and take control. So that's not all that encouraging. And maybe he learned something from Sonny Dykes past, uh, past couple years over at SMU. Uh, but he wasn't, it's not like he was running the show there. So again, I have my concerns whether or not Rhett Lashley can, I mean, he's given the being given the keys here. Like this is going to be his, his thing. And he hasn't really had that at any point recently. No matter what, the offense will look different than it did last year, but I I they were still the eighty first ranked offense by SP plus. I still have the image of uh, you know, them getting shut out in their bowl game to Louisiana oh. Tech. It's you know, in my I know it's gonna look different, but uh you know, and will faster. the offensive will the offensive line actually protect this year? Like that could I personally be just factor too. I personally just think that it's a tall order for for the twenty twenty offense to be electric given the new scheme transfer quarterback combined with the fact that there was a lack of no spring ball and you know not a normal off season here like don't get me wrong i love king um as much as the next guy but it just seems like it's a lot to ask him to kind of carry the canes i mean they'll be better but i'm i'm i don't know how i think the ceiling is being um i think people are kind of overblowing what how good it could potentially be i i hope it pans out and i actually think lashley i'm actually okay with lashley for the future but this first year might be a little tougher than yeah. than expected yeah. i think running more of a spread than dan enos was more pro style is the right the right direction to move Especially i agree king but <laughs> yeah yeah i'm hoping it works this year. miami talent though you gotta yeah, unlock I know yeah. those I want to see one more solid season with Derek King. It just makes football so much more fun when he's he was he's pretty doing awesome that. that one year, especially. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, let's move on to uh, our next one here. X factor number six: Oklahoma State quarterback Spencer Sanders, the sophomore. To me, he's he's one of the biggest X factors in the country. Um, when you look at, you know. If he is really good, I mean, just look what he has around him. You know, he's got some insane talent. He decided Tylen Wallace decided to come back a wide receiver. Chuba Hubbard decided to come back a running back for some odd reason, but <laughs> good for people in, in Stillwater. Um, still got Dylan Stoner, Braden Johnson at wide receiver. Uh, he's got an experienced offensive line, and his defense that is literally everybody coming back except for one key piece. So it's just like it's up to him. Can he take that next step? Because they were what they went eight and four last year. And they had a winning record in Big 12. So if he takes that next step and becomes a good quarterback, there's no reason why they can't win the Big 12. I mean, they really could. Um, 
and I, I think he will. I think he will get better. I don't. He doesn't need to be elite. I'm not asking him to go and, you know, be uh, like his crosstown rivals and and still in, in Norman maybe like Hertz or whatever. But he could, if he's just good, Oklahoma State's going to be a, a, a force to reckon with in Big Twelve. And I, you know, I trust Gundy, of course, to develop QBs. It's not often that Gundy has to rely on a super young guy, but you know, now he's not. Now Stan Sanders has the has all the reps and experience and time to develop with Gundy. So yeah, I'm high on him. I'm high on the Cowboys. Yeah, I am too. I, he's, uh, he's so gifted. I mean, he, he was only a freshman last year. He was the big 12 offensive freshman. Ryan likes to say redshirt freshman. He was a redshirt freshman. Oh, well, yeah, fair enough. But the other thing about with Gundy is that the quarterbacks he's had traditionally aren't really athletically gifted. Uh, Spencer Sanders ran for over 600 yards. Like they, that's usually a, an element that they don't have. I will agree. He needs to improve upon, you know, keeping care of the ball. He threw like nine picks, I think, last year. I think 11. No, 11. 11 picks. Yeah, even he a lot of fumbles. That was my concern about him in our previous pod. But yeah, I, I think that's what I'll get better at. But when when he did maintain, keep the keep possession of the ball, his yards per play what, or yards per attempt was 8.4, which is right in line with like Sam Ellinger and Brock Purdy. Yeah, he didn't have the same volume, but I mean, he he was only a freshman or sorry, redshirt freshman. <laughs> He'll uh he I I think with the sporting supporting cast this year like there's no reason he will not improve. I'm and he, I'm and he didn't have Thailand for a good chunk of last year too, so that that'll increase yep. that yards per attempt with him. And they even got that key key offensive line transfer from West Virginia, Josh Sills, like that's only going to mm-hmm. help him up front. I'm uh, I'm in on Spencer Sanders this season. That's I I feel like it's almost impossible to be out just because of yeah. everything you guys brought up with the supporting cast. Like it doesn't even matter what I think about Spencer Sanders. Obviously he does have an immense amount of talent. So there's reasons to be bullish on him individually, but it just, it almost doesn't even matter. The offense I feel like is going to be great. Almost no matter who's at quarterback. Yep. Cool. Even uh, Trey. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, speaking of quarterback play, we're going to move over to Michigan and their quarterback play being an X factor. You know, that's been part of the reason why Michigan hasn't quite fully broken through under Harbaugh. You know, lately it's been guys like Jake Rudock, Wilton Spate, John O'Corn, and, you know, Shea Patterson recently. And Shea Patterson was like kind of the big guy and he never quite lived up to the the hype coming out of Ole Miss. Um, it's been good quarterback play, but just definitely not great. Uh, and so now this year, the quarterback race comes down to junior Dylan McCaffrey or sophomore Joe Milton. McCaffrey's more the mobile guy. Milton ha- has the has the bigger arm. And and if you look at the offense as a, as a whole, they got offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis going into his second year. Last year, the offense was fairly pedestrian. They 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 had some moments where it seemed like it would kind of break out. That one game, the second half against Penn State, they broke out. The second half of the year was a little better, but it was still a unit that they finished like seventh in offense in the Big Ten. They they need that to really improve, and it kind of I think starts with uh, the quarterback. So the problem is for this year, if I had to if I had to handicap it, they lose a, a decent amount of their offensive line. The receivers there they lost a couple, but you know they've got they've got Nico Collins, um, Ronnie Bell. They just need to really elevate their game and become pass gobblers, which they really haven't been and the Michigan receivers haven't kind of stepped up uh like like some of the other schools so maybe the the second year in the Gattis system will help 
for the the team as a whole, but I'm just not fully sold on these Michigan quarterbacks yet. Yeah, I'm. You know me. I'm not either. Uh, I, it's just it, like last year watching them. It was frustrating because you kind of thought it, they they'd break out a little bit, especially with they had good talent at wide receiver. You thought the offensive line was going to be solid, and you you know Shea Patterson, senior quarterback. I mean, it just you thought it would be a better a better year. Um, but it was it was disappointing, and there's no way to no way around it. And that's why I'm not high on their QBs this year. I mean, I've Dylan McCaffrey just doesn't. I guess he's the favorite to win the position, but I just don't see him as the answer there. He's, I don't look ever ever watching him play. I don't feel like he's a true quarterback. doesn't seem to have, he doesn't have a huge arm. Doesn't seem to have the kind of pocket awareness that a normal QB has. It just, it just seems like a good athlete playing quarterback to me. Whereas, um, you know, Shea Patterson wasn't elite, but at least he's, he seemed, he seemed a little more comfortable in that regard. And I think Joe Milton will be the guy, um, you know, even if he doesn't start right away, I think eventually he'll take over, but he has, he had, he definitely has, definitely has the bigger upside to me. But even him, he's not going to be consistent this year if he's the guy. So, you know, ultimately, I think Milton will be pretty solid, but not, you know, not. I'm not banking on Michigan's uh, QB play to be any better. I think it'll be worse than it was last year, actually. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I'm probably a little bit higher than uh, than you are, just because I do like the I like the the receiving core. It's not great, but Nico Collins, right? It was big to get Nico Collins back. Um, yeah. And then, and they've got good, good running backs. Hassan Haskins, Zach Charbonnet, uh, having a good season last year. So the skill talent's good. Yes. It hurts losing four offensive linemen to the, to the NFL, but you know, they recruit well, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say there, but the big thing is year two of, of Josh Gaddis, because that's, that's a big change going from that boring old Harbaugh offense now to the, the more modern, uh, system that they're running so second year with and and just there these are two four-star quarterbacks who have been at michigan for a while and i just think whichever one wins the job will probably be pretty good maybe maybe yeah. that's wrong but that's my guess yeah because four stars never don't pan out they never it's a four-star has never not panned out i just kind of double yeah. negated myself there. I don't know what I said, but let's just move on. Uh, number eight, our number eight X factor is Clemson's young receivers. And well, I guess, I guess they are all going to pan out because they were four stars. So yeah, maybe I mean, we can just move on to the next question. Exactly. Uh, no, the reason they're an X factor though, is you've got Trevor Lawrence, you got Travis Etienne, but the receiving, the receiving core is a question mark. Um, and question mark, it's all relative. Obviously, With Justin Ross going down, of course, is a yeah. Justin Ross going down, losing T. Higgins, uh, those are those are two two huge losses. And uh, Amari Rod- Amari Rogers at at the slot that that's that's a sure thing. He's going to be good, but the question mark is who's going to be that big number one go to guy. And there's kind of two main, I think, candidates, and a lot of pressure is going to be on them. They're two true sophomores. Joseph Engada and Frank Ladson, they were both kind of borderline five-star receivers. So the talent is there, but I think to expect them to be as good as as Ross and and Higgins is is probably expecting too much. Maybe you'll get lucky and they will be, but um, I think if if Clemson doesn't win the national championship, it might be because the the receiving core is not at a national championship level. I would agree with that that last statement you made there. Um, cause you look in years past, they've had Williams and then Higgins and 
Ross, like guys like that can really make a quarterback look even better. Um, I think the thing, like what well, you mentioned, Ladson, like he's one of the fastest guys on the team and their new offensive coordinator that, well, he's been there. Tony Elliott's been there, but he's like yeah. the guy this year. Um, mm-hmm. Was They were talking about maybe getting lats in the ball in space, like get more quick passes and get it out to him. So you might see, it's, instead of just throwing it up to the big guy like they have, maybe they'll use their their receivers a little differently this year. Um, I also like, since since they do lose you know, the Higgins and Ross, they're going to be more opportunities for a freshman. And EJ Williams is an incoming freshman that they're pretty high on. He's from Alabama. I think, honestly, he'll be one of the more impactful freshmen maybe in the nation, but for sure the ACC, um, just because he's going to be given the opportunity to, to showcase his stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board with these, uh, with the young guys here. I mean, it's encouraging at least from a Clemson perspective that you've had, you can point to recent success of young receivers doing well. I mean, we saw, yeah, I mean, Ross, Justin Ross, Ross was true freshman dominating the national championship. As exactly. A so it's so. like, we've seen very recent success from them with young guys. So it's, they can, they can thrive in that system, um, you know, uh, right out of the gate. And it's not like, you know, Ngata and Latson are, they're not freshmen. They're going to be sophomores. So they've had enough experience. They've had enough time to, to figure out what the system's all about. And, you know, they, they still have obviously Amari Rogers. So they're not going to be solely dependent on those guys. Um, so, if, but with those three dudes, I mean, that's, that's a heck of a wide receiver group right there. I mean, a lot of teams would, you know, wish that they had that type of talent to, to, to work with. I mean, maybe they're, step down a little bit from Justin Ross and T Higgins, but you know, you, they're still going to be really good. Yeah, I know. Yeah. They're not going to be as good. You can't expect them to be, I mean, they're going to be good, but Mm -hmm. we'll see how great they can be. Um, But but when you go, it's not, you know, when you also have the tight end, they had uh, last year suspended for all last year, Braden Galloway, Uh, he was coming back and he'll, he just adds another dimension that maybe they didn't necessarily quite have. He'll be kind of a matchup nightmare, maybe for some folks. So that's four guys right there that I would be very, very happy with as far as I'm, if I'm Trevor Lawrence throwing too. So I I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. I think they're going to be good enough. Uh, absolutely good enough to be national title. Good. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried too much if I'm a Clemson fan. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, all right, let's move on to uh, what our ninth one here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we got uh, the partnership of uh, the new Georgia quarterback, Jamie Newman, and their new offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin. Uh, you know, I've shared my doubts a little bit about Jamie Newman. I'm not I, I, low on him, but it just, you know, I'm not, I think he's going to be bad or anything, but I just want people to temper their expectations, kind of like we're saying with Derek King here. It's like, hey, you know, Georgia loses a lot. It's going to be a new system, new quarterback. Uh, it's just, you know, I don't, I don't want to put too much pressure on our little brother. That's not fair to him. Sure. Yeah, not fair. Uh, so, and it, when you, when you look at Todd Munkin, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly high on Munkin either. It's, uh, it's an unknown. Uh, yeah. He's not known, but last year he was Cleveland Browns OC. They were pretty bad. Actually, they were kind of greatly disappointed last year, bottom third in the league. Then you go the year before that in Tampa, he was pretty disappointing with, uh, with, uh, Jameis. Another bad year for them. So the one thing, good thing he has on his resume is one good year at being the head coach at Southern Miss, his last year. But if you look at his three total three years at Southern Miss, he was 13 and 25. So that's not very good. But, you know, he had one good year. So I'll, I'll give him that. And it was his last year. But 
I, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm just a little worried. I don't have a ton of confidence in him because we haven't really seen him in that position. And it's just lately he's, he's been out of the college game for about five years now. That's a little, eh. so I'm, I don't know. I, I, I just wouldn't expect a Joe Brady in type of impact. I'll say that. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I hear you. They, and you brought up the fact that they don't bring much back. They only have two returning starters, but I honestly don't worry about that quite as much with Georgia because they are literally recruiting number one recruiting classes. So maybe the talent, on the line, that's a little, they lost a lot in the O line, but again, they, like they recruit so well there yeah. and I have some confidence in, in Matt Luke coaching them. So it, obviously it'll be a step back, but I don't know. I just see that as a position unit. That's just going to reload. Um, and I like Jamie Newman better than you. I think his struggles towards the end of last year, we've talked about, I, I, uh, I excuse because of, of injuries uh, on his team. So I am, I'm not going to say I'm super optimistic about the offense because like you say, new system, new quarterback, shortened off season. It's, it's not the best time to be doing this, but I'm probably, I'm definitely, I'm higher than you. I I am as well. I think, uh, you know, there's a, there's going to be a lot of new in 2020 with the coordinator, the quarterback, and obviously the, the turnover, uh, in the in the team and the personnel, but I'm I'm encouraged. Uh, I really like Newman. I love his dual threat ability, and I honestly think right out of the gate he's better than what Jake Fromm was last year. So they don't need like they don't need to improve. A, they're only they were a couple of years removed from you know being a ploy away from the national title. So they're it's it's there and and like they lost their running back Swift, but they got like the five star. Um, one of the top prospects a couple of years ago, Zamir White, like he should be good. George Pickens is as good of a receiver out there. He's a sophomore. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there are there are some weapons, and then you add in the fact that Nate Newman can can run the ball, and like from like they might use that dual threat uh, capability to their advantage. Say what you want about Todd Munkin, but he'd be a dummy not to at least use that. Uh, so I'm I'm curious. I'm you know. I'm 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 optimistic, I guess, more so than than Ryan. So I think they'll 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 have a good year. And the other thing is, they're kind of like Oregon. The offense doesn't need to be great in order for for them to be a national championship contender because the defense is is arguably the best in the nation. Yeah, that's that is where I'm saying here. Like I, I I'm high on Georgia overall as a team. I think, like you just said, I consider them a national title contender, uh, but just because of the defense and then the offense isn't going to be bad. I'm not, I'm definitely not trying to say that, but it's not going to be the thing that carries them to the national title. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, then we are on to our last X factor. Unfortunately here, the obvious one yeah. is just COVID-19. Uh, the effect it could have on the season is becoming more and more real by the day. And, uh, obviously putting the putting the fall season in doubt for sure. And as we record this, the Ivy League is reportedly getting ready to announce that they're moving their season to the spring of, of 2021. The trendsetters. An, yeah, they were the trendsetters with... Um, Basketball. College hoops. College hoops, exactly. They were the first. So who knows, could be a domino start falling. falling. But here's an excerpt from uh, an article by Bruce Feldman and Nicole Auerbach in The Athletic. So the quote is, College athletic administrators throughout Division I told The Athletic that they expect a cascading effect following the Ivy League's decision, adding, oops, they didn't say oops in the article, um, <laughs> adding, oh. oops, we <laughs> adding that it essentially will give other FCS leagues 
cover to make similar decisions. Those administrators expect the final decisions regarding a fall football season to then be made at the group of five level and by early August at the latest at the power five level. End quote. Yeah, it has to be. We're going to start learning some stuff soon. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, it's not fun to be a downer, but it, it does, it far, fall seems far fetched. You know, it really does. Um, just the way it's going. I, I hope we can do a spring and I hope it can be a somewhat normal season. I think that's, could be exciting to 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 watch and go for but yeah falls seems like a it's not good news you're, lately. you're i think you're the most pessimistic about the, i've been the, the most just because i realized yeah. like what are you going to do if you don't have a vaccine like nothing's going to change like but even know. next spring i mean yeah, now, yeah, we're, no now we're getting into talk that i don't want to be getting into because yeah what do we know about when there's going to be a vaccine and when it's going to be widely available yeah. but i just know that well i didn't know i just felt like if there wasn't one, which I knew there kind of wasn't going to be one for the fall. We kind of knew that. No, never uh, was. So that was, I was like, how is there going to be football if there's no vaccine? Like, I, it's just, you know, and then, of well, course, I, I don't, yeah, we still don't know a vaccine. For yeah, we don't. Well, then hmm. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that's the case. Or at least just uh, a, a massive drop off in cases is right. That's why, that's why the last couple of weeks have been so yeah. damaging for. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. It's just, Yeah. Yeah, what are your thoughts, it's, Trey? Make some bold predictions, Trey. No, I'm obviously everything's so fluid and it changes by the day. So I'd be a fool to make any prediction on this. But what I will say is it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out because it is there's not a governing body like that does one like the NFL. It's all in one. The NBA is all in one. NHL all in one. Yeah. Whereas like it's going to be really I'm curious to see. Okay, so the Ivy League might go one direction, and then maybe some group of fives do. But like. Does what is like maybe the SEC says screw it like we're just going to play a conference schedule like there mm-hmm. there's so many there's yeah. so many elements that that could come to come um, that could come to fruition here that I'm curious to see how it plays out whether they all agree to to push it to the spring and see what happens or if some conferences just branch out and do do their own thing it'll be that's what I'm curious to see yeah yeah it seems like it's kind of a conference by conference decision but. I would hope that all the conferences come together to make the same decision because just as a fan that we want everyone to be playing at the same time. Right. Um, So the PAC 12 has modeled four scenarios. One, play the regular season as scheduled two, delay the start of the season. Three, play a conference only schedule or four, of course, move the, the football season to the spring of 2021. And with each passing day, that number four, is is becoming more and more likely. I'm not willing to just say that that's what's going to happen, but there's definitely seems to be a growing right uh, thinking that that might happen. That seems like the only way that we would get for everybody to be on the to actually play everyone at the same time. The only way I see that happening is if they did push it to spring at this point. All right, we'll see. That's uh that's why we delayed our our preview episodes because if we were starting to preview uh the you know, uh, a Michigan-Washington non-conference game that reportedly is now unlikely to happen, then might become a very moot episode very quickly. So we will see. Tough times. All right. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for for this week's episode of the College Football Bros. Uh, Let us know on social media if there's any other X factors we missed. There's definitely... We had quite a few that we we lo- had to leave off the list because, you know, I said Ryan and Trey, there can only be ten. 
That's all I'm willing <laughs> yeah, to do. Yeah, you took out my Iowa State offensive line pick. Was, <laughs> well, you know, yeah, it was a good pick. You want to talk about the Iowa State offensive line? Why it's next factor? No, nah, I didn't. We're good. But hey, man, they got everything else coming back. They're going to be good. Brock Purdy. I mean, that defense has got like nine guys coming back. I think they only lose like Ray Lima is and the, some other linebacker. Forget his name. But their defense is going to be really good. They got some great pieces coming back. A wide receiver. Brees Hall running back is a stud. So it's really like if that offensive line and Campbell feels like they hit, like meaning like they did, they were successful in their last three offensive line recruiting classes. So you know, it feels like this is going to be the year where it finally starts to get stabilized. Watch out. I, I would love a coach to be like, yeah, no, we whiffed all of our, all of our line. Yeah, we sucked. Well, I, no, I, I hear you. I he went out of his way to say that. he. Yeah, no, I'm high on the Cyclones, too. I like it. Yeah. And Iowa State was better than their record last year. The The metrics really liked Iowa State. They were what, top 25 in the uh, yeah. in a couple like, close losses and they're they'll bounce back. Yep. I mean, yeah. Okay, well, now that'll do it. Ryan got in his Iowa State offensive line mm-hmm. talk. Well, you love uh, Iowa State, so you love Chad Campbell. I do, too. No, Does I'm Chad Campbell? Yeah, you did. <laughs> the golfer. Oh, whoa. <laughs> wow. Matt Campbell. Excuse me, Matt. <laughs> anyway, I guess there were 11 fact- X factors in this episode. So, again, thanks for listening. Uh, again, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at CFB Bros, and we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening. Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp-control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores.